Jowson, where are my panties? We need to get dressed because we have another episode of Romantic Truth. Dawson, dear. Yes, Natalie. It is time for another episode of Romantic Truth. Gina, start the countdown. Five, four, three, two, one. Terminator activated. We welcome you to the Romantic Truth Podcast. The content of this podcast is intended for an adult audience due to the nature of sensitive subject matter and topics. Share the experience of Romantic Truth with friends on Google, CastBox, Spotify, Podcast Addict, Radio Public, Breakers, Apple, or any other podcast platform. Just type in Romantic Truth in the search and subscribe. Now, here is the host of Romantic Truth, Jowson. Hi everyone, Johnson with you here, Romantic Truth, Las Vegas. Hope everyone's doing well. We're going to talk about missing your partner. Now, when we talk about missing your partner, we're talking about missing them, maybe in the context of being glad that you're out of the relationship through the trauma of some sort, or traumatized by the loss of a partner due to death or some other unfortunate occurrence. As well as missing that partner, that person that you probably maybe should not have dumped or maybe should not have treated a certain way. Now, of course, we know there are three main components that we always have to contend with as humans. And that is, of course, shame, blame, and guilt. And in each of these situations, those three components come up. Let's talk first about olfactory smell memory. What is that? This has to do with the sensation of smelling certain things that put you in a place in time where you can remember a past relationship or a past experience. Now that could be good, that could be bad, or that could be where you're indifferent. Now, the reason why I talk about this in particular is because a lot of us sometimes, when we miss our partner, there may be certain things that are still stored in our memory that we bring to the forefront. Most of uh, the things that you have associated with you, as far as memory, is in your medulla oblongata, in the back little portion of your brain. This is like the hard drive for a human being, but in a computer, which is built on the same premise, the medulla oblongata is the hard drive, the RAM is the frontal lobe of your brain where you have the temporary memory to memorize where your keys are, to memorize uh, a number to your locker or something of that sort. Now, here's the thing. With smell, and that's what we're talking about here in particular, you may reminisce based on a fragrance. Your partner could have worn a certain type of cologne. And just because someone walks past you as soon as you smell it, blood pressure may rise a bit. 
and you may start to reminisce. And if it was a good experience, it may bring a tear of joy to you in a way, but in a way it may stir up feelings that make you cry because you really missed that partner. They may need no longer be with us. So we have to understand that with this, we have to also believe that it was a positive experience. It was indeed. Now, it could very well be a situation where you may smell a fragrance and think about a bad experience with that partner. Could be another type of cologne. A woman may walk past a guy who's wearing Van Cleef and Arpels, have a wonderful thought of the guy that she dated years ago, and then walk across the street and maybe pass a guy that is wearing polo. And she may try to hurry up and get across the street away from that guy because she had a bad experience with the guy in the past who wore polo. He could have sexually assaulted her. He could have been an abuser. But this is how we're prompted a lot of times, both men and women, especially us men. When we had a bad relationship with a woman, a lot of times we discriminate against a woman just because of the perfume she may wear. If we had a bad experience with a woman. I will tell you right now, the one fragrance that I can't stand to smell on a woman is Chantilly. And it's not because of any past trauma. It's because what happens when you date older women a lot of times, that was the choice, that and Chloe. Those two were the choice back then. Now, a woman that wore something like Lagerfeld, Van Cleef and Arpel, something like that, brought back pleasant memories. Because the women that I was with, it resonated from the pleasant experiences. Now, this may sound trivial, though, but this is the way a lot of people actually judge you. There are women right now listening to this podcast who actually cannot stand a man who wears polo. The only reason why I say that is because that was a very popular fragrance. And with that, you have a mix of good, bad, and indifferent with it. And if a person had more bad experiences with someone who wore a certain fragrance, they will form an opinion about that person that they may meet that has nothing to do with that experience of the past, but he'll be treated differently just because of that premise and not even realize it. A lot of you guys may wonder sometimes why a woman may not want to talk to you. Or she may say something like, oh my God, you're wearing that fragrance or you're wearing this fragrance. And this is no shade on Polo or any of the other brands. I'm just using this as an example. I went out on a date one night with a lady and I wore Hugo Boss. And she told me, she says, um, you know, I'm Jewish, right? And I'm like, yes. But what didn't dawn on me was this. Ugo Boss designed the uniforms for the Nazis. I felt like an ass because I was so insensitive to that at the time. 
I like the fragrance, but she was looking at what was behind the fragrance. And she asked me not to wear it again. And I didn't, I obliged her. These are things you have to consider because sometimes you don't know what you're in, you know, exposing someone else to. You don't know. And after we sat down and we talked during that date, she had lost her great-grandmother to the Holocaust. And I felt even more like an ass. Because I'm sitting there thinking, damn, that's a slap in the face. But you learn how to cope with things based on that. And you have to. Because the person that's wearing that fragrance may not have any idea. It could be something that, you know, go to a restaurant, for instance, and you smell a certain dish. And that certain dish may bring back memories. Just by the fragrance of it, just by the essence of it. Now, one thing that used to get me was body wash. There was a certain body wash that a lot of women in Orange County used to wear. And I had pleasant experiences down there. So whenever I would smell that fragrance, the first thing I would think about was the O.C. Because I didn't smell that fragrance when I went into urban areas. I only smelled it when I was in suburban type environments. Now, the other thing too is this. There are other fragrances and other odors that of course gives you a negative response. As men, we already know when we smell this fish smell, we run, right? We don't waste any time. As soon as we smell that fishy smell from a woman, we're out of there no matter what. Now, it depends on the individual because there are some people who think that it's okay to smell a certain way. I had friends from other countries who would tell me they would have the body odor and they would say, well, you know, that's that's the smell of a man. No, that's funk, no matter how you put it. And it'll be so strong and so putrid sometimes that you have to damn near shake your head and make sure you're not knocked out. So bad that deodorant and soap would say, fuck it, we can't, we can't deal with that. You can't do nothing with it. Nope, gotta go wash your ass. No, no ifs and buts. But there are certain odors that are, of course, repulsive. The butt smell. People that go to the bathroom and don't really wipe themselves properly and you smell that odor they sit down in a chair to get up and it's like whoa these types of things and what happens you associate those smells with people and with experiences and many times they don't leave you they stay in that mind so you may walk past someone 
and your impression of them is based on that odor. But this is something we don't think about consciously. It's usually a subconscious thing that we go through with this. But if you take a moment and really think, sometimes those odors can definitely bring up some sentiments. And it has an impact on you physically. You may smell a fragrance. Reminds you of a person. Reminds you of a loved one. And if it's a deceased loved one, it really has an impact. Especially for some of you ladies who have lost husbands and boyfriends. And the new guy you're meeting is wearing the same fragrance as your deceased partner. That's a tough one. Because there's a possibility you may call this person, this new person you're meeting, by your deceased partner's name. Because you're so accustomed to smelling that odor. And you'd have to catch yourself every once in a while because what will happen is you will constantly do that. But see, someone who understands what you've gone through will accept and understand that. So. A lot of times you might be ashamed that you've called the person the wrong name. But it has to do with the correlation between what you smell and what you thought. A lot of people don't quite realize that. Now, one thing about odors as well. Those odors are usually associated with that person on a long-term basis. So no matter what they do to change things up, you know the old saying, first impressions, last impressions? This is evidence of that. This sounds very simplistic, but I'm telling you, it makes the difference. How many of you remember back in the 1980s when a jerry curl was the big thing? And you knew when someone had a jerry curl who walked in the office or walked into the room. You can smell the chemicals a mile away. Or you had that one employee. I remember there was this one lady that used to come into work every day. And when she came in, the whole smell of the building would change. She wore Elizabeth Taylor Passion. And for those of you who don't know, especially for the men's uh, version of that, a girlfriend of mine bought me a bottle of that and wanted me to wear that. I don't know why, but that stuff gets in your pores and it's difficult to get out. Even after you shower, you can scrub all you want. It stays there. And when she would walk into the office, the whole office would smell like her. Everything she touched in the office smelled like her. And she had gotten ridden up a couple of times because she refused to tone it down a bit. And it got to the point where you had to hold your breath when you went in the office to talk to her. It was that bad. But she said she always was taught to wear this. Because the one thing she didn't want to do was to be one of those women that had an odor associated with them that wasn't so pleasant. This was from her upbringing. 
And of course, it ran into conflict with the office protocol, and enough people complained, and eventually she moved on to another company because she refused to change her course of action. And you have some people that are like that. But if you don't get anything out of this segment, I want you to understand one thing. Don't feel bad. thinking about things in the past. That's normal. You're not weak. You're not doing anything wrong. It's just something that we as humans have to understand to deal with. More in a moment. Now, we've covered the senses of smell. Now let's cover gustatory taste memory. What is this? This is when you've had a pleasant experience with someone and take for instance you're at a restaurant and you order a meal and subconsciously you're not thinking about what you've ordered. You just ordered it, you saw it on the menu, you liked it. And as you ate that meal, you began to realize that you shared that meal with someone you really cared about. And then you might even come to the point of saying, you know what, I had no idea. I've gone to the same restaurant that I went out with a lady years ago, and I ordered the same thing. And you start to reminisce. Now, it could very well be that you had a pleasant experience there. More than likely, you're not going to be going back to a place that you had a bad experience at. But, for the most part, you may do this and not even realize it. And before you know it, you have to catch yourself. Now, you see a lot of people do this, especially after they've lost a loved one. They may go to that restaurant and try to reminisce that time. Because, see, what has happened at this point is a part that has bonded with you. It's more or less you're still being attached to that person even though they're not there. You may order the same drink. And it then becomes a celebratory event. And you may weep. Because loss is a hard thing to deal with. Since I was on the dating scene back then, I've lost about six or seven women who died. couple from heart attacks, car accidents, and it's like, what can you do? I told you about the event that I had recently a while back. Well, not recently, but a while back. I recently told you about it, I think, in one of the podcasts. I'd met this lady, and she was celebrating her, her friend's birthday. 
and she was a designated driver. She had a red Ford Taurus. I'll never forget it. And she came to the establishment with them, and she had two of her girlfriends. One was had a birthday, and the other one was a friend. And it was as soon as I saw this woman, the driver, the one that was this uh, sober, designated sober driver, we locked eyes, and from then on, it was like for the whole night, we were pretty much together. Everybody thought that we were a couple because we were so engaged with each other. It was ridiculous. I was scared because I had never got that close to someone so quickly. And it was like we were two magnets that could not wait to be connected. It was really weird because even when we introduced ourselves and started talking to each other, it seemed as if we had been married or been in a relationship before because there was no awkwardness. You know how you usually have that awkwardness and dialogue between the two of you? It didn't exist. We spoke to each other as if we had known each other for years and I had never met this woman. She had never met me before. She had a Chardonnay, which I ordered. She didn't drink it. She said, no, I'll have a Coke. I'm the designated driver. I was impressed. She gave it to a girlfriend. Birthday girl drank it. We danced the night away. We had a lot of fun. We ate. And then it came down to where she had to get them home. And what she did, she had a bracelet on her arm. She had two bracelets. There were two gold bracelets. And she took one off and put it on my arm, on my right arm. And she told me, I'm coming over to your house to see you tomorrow to get my bracelet back. We'd exchange phone numbers, addresses, damn near everything, DNA almost. But I think we did because we did kiss a lot. And what happened, I walked her to her car. Girlfriends got in the car and the birthday girl was just totally drunk. And gave her a kiss and she says well I'm going to pack an overnight bag and I'm coming over tomorrow and I'm going to spend some time with you what she was telling me it was a Friday night she was going to spend the weekend not the singer but the weekend and so she got in she took off they left I waited until the club closed about two and a half hours or so later I come down the street. I see a whole bunch of red and blue lights. Had no clue as to what was going on. And it seemed as though that time I was with her was accelerated in such a way that I actually started having feelings for this woman and I only just met her that night. And I got to the red light. Cop was out there with the flares, whole bunch of police EMTs. And I looked over and I saw that red Ford Taurus that I just kissed her in only two and a half hours prior. 
I looked at the car. The driver's side was completely crushed in. I knew it was her. They had a sheet over. And I saw her fingers in the side mirror with that ring, with that bracelet just dangling. I knew it was her. And back then we had those Motorola flip phones. And my phone rang. Picked it up. And when I answered it, this person was talking to me and they were trying to find out who I was. It was from her number. I look up and the cop is speaking to me over the cell phone. And I'm looking at this person directly. And I pulled over and tried to find out what was going on. And he asked me, was I next to Ken? Was I family? And I told him no. And I had never been so deflated in my life. I looked down the opposite end of the street. This truck was on its side. And there was a guy wearing some cut-off jeans, bloodied, lip-busted, nose-busted. And they were telling him to lay down. He was a drunk driver. He survived. The girl that I was interested in, Charlene, was killed instantly on impact. The other two girls were injured. And it was really awkward because the birthday girl invited me to the funeral, told me I should attend. And we talked for a while and she told me before the accident on their way down the road, the only thing she talked about was me. She was so happy and she was telling them that she had finally found a man that she could really love. We'd only known each other just that night, but I don't know what it was and I never had that feeling ever again. I mean, it was just something that just clicked. And now when I see a red Taurus in that model year, it brings back a memory. When I eat even chicken with french fries now, sometimes he pops up in my head because that's what we had that night. I'll never forget her turning down the drink that I had bought her. To me, that was integrity. She was the designated driver and she was not going to drink. And sadly, she got killed by a drunk driver that night. It's something that really impacted me. So when I see a woman drink Chardonnay, she crosses my mind. 
I never mentioned it to the people. I've had days where the woman ordered Chardonnay, but I never mentioned it. But that was one thing that stuck in my head. And what happens, you become so accustomed to some of the things you've eaten with someone that you could remember. Hey, I remember going to Buddha's Belly on 3rd Street. Or on Beverly, I think it's on Beverly, or I think it's Beverly in Los Angeles. Or I remember going to P.F. Chang's. You start to remember these things and start to remember the moments. And it becomes like second nature. And Gina knows P.F. Chang's. We used to go there on a regular. And what happens after a while, by going to these places and eating the food, you start to think about experiences that you had. I remember times going to Houston's Steakhouse with Monica over in Century City. And even after she went back to Italy, I found myself going there, going to places like Dantana's, Arnie Morton's. And it never dawned on me that I created a routine based on her, based on my love for her. And these things occur, you know. They just don't go away because someone is no longer with you. And it really does have an impact. There's some people who will not eat certain dishes that they've eaten with people that they had loved and have passed away. Because if they did, it would be too hard for them to get through it because they would start thinking about missing that person. And you have to remember, folks, there's no shame in being human. There's no shame in expressing your emotions. We try to camouflage it by having a stiffer upper lip. But sometimes we need to express ourselves and express our grief because if we don't and we hold it in, it's a very tough thing to handle. As I always tell you, life is a group of unpredictable circumstances that we're all exposed to on the face of this earth. From the amoeba all the way up to the human being. We only can be subjected to our environment and what befalls us. We can take precautionary measures to protect ourselves, but there's no guarantee. Because what we have to remember is our main thing is to protect our emotions in the sense of protecting us from our fears. 
because those things are far greater than the reality in most cases. As a side note, I had a friend of mine years ago that swore up and down that he had some kind of disease. Everything was hurting on him. And so one day he decided to listen to his wife because she kept nagging him about going to the doctor. And he went to the doctor. Doctor ran all these tests. Everything came out fine. And he kept saying, I swear something's wrong with me, something's wrong with me. And finally the doctor just looked at him and he said, you know what's wrong with you? He says, you've been sitting on your ass too much, eating too many hamburgers, drinking too many beers, and you need to get your ass to the gym. That was an answer he wasn't expecting. The very same thing his wife had told him for years. Once he started doing that, the pain started going away. Was it a remedy? Possibly. But at least he went to a medical professional to find out what was going on with him instead of just sitting there complaining. So if you don't get anything out of this segment, folks, understand one thing. You may start forming habits about certain meals. Some of you ladies even cook your ex's favorite meal because he was such a good man. And you might not have liked it at first. But then you made it to a point where you're able to eat it. And that's your way of being close to him. A lot of you ladies do this when your husbands are deployed overseas in the military. Because you have that sense of detachment in a way through the distance. But this is like a comfort for you. And there's nothing wrong with that. Just remember, when you invite someone into your life and you love them and they love you, it's going to modify your behavior in ways that you're not consciously thinking about. More in a moment. Now, let's talk about echoic triggers. What is this? This has to do with sound. Now, there are some of you that are triggered to remember past relationships based on certain songs. I remember out there on the dating scene, my favorite song was, you guessed it, Keep On Moving, Don't Stop. And the reason why was because a lot of the women that I dated loved that song. Didn't matter what race they were, they loved it. And that was my sex song, because that was a good song to have sex with. Keep on moving, don't stop. No. Uh, yeah. Anyway, 
what I found was that whenever I would hear that song, even to this day, I think about experiences that I had in the past with different ladies. But here's the thing also. There are certain songs that represent how you felt at that particular time. And some of you can't hear certain songs because you start thinking about a breakup. Some of you may think about happier times with some of the songs. It varies. But the one thing to keep in mind is that this is a part of you. This was a part of the relationship. This is some of the things that you will have to contend with in the aftermath. The sounds, the smells, the taste of your past. There will be good and bad sentiments with that. So when you go to a bar, for instance, and they're playing a song and you have a person say, oh, you know, play something else. That's because you hit a trigger. And when you hit that trigger sometimes with people, they still haven't come to grips with what has happened in their life, the change that has occurred. And they want things back the way they used to be. We all do at some point. We want things to just freeze in time, just to encapsulate itself so we can exist within that bubble, within that time frame, and enjoy the moment. But it's very difficult for many of us because if you have an aversion to change, you miss out on a lot of things. And then you look up and the world is changing. Now you don't have any point of reference or any frame of reference where you start. A lot of you wind up in that time capsule when you have been dating so long or married so long and then you're single in your 40s and 50s and you say, damn, where do I start in this world? And you feel as if you're a teenager again in the sense that you're trying now to catch up with adulthood. And it takes a moment. Because the first thing that goes is confidence. Along with trust. You trusted your partner. Good or bad, you still trusted that person. You knew what you were dealing with in that relationship. When you're going out to the unknown, it's a challenge for you. Because you don't know if the next date is going to be a good date. We love familiarity and we love routine. And sometimes we take it for granted because we get bored with it. Not realizing that many times we have it better off than other people do. Yes, you might complain about him wearing his shoes into the house. But then again... You can also think about there's some people who are married who don't even have a home and he can't take off his shoes because they're living in the car or he's in a shelter and she's in another shelter or he's on the street and she's in a shelter sometimes we need to humble ourselves and be thankful for what we have and also be thankful for what we don't have but rarely do we do that. We have our heads down 
focused on making those four and a half cent pieces of paper that they print in God we trust on. Doesn't matter the denomination. Because it's all cost the same to print. So, what do we come out with? We come out with a situation where you may hear a sound, you may hear someone's voice, and it may sound like your partner of the past. And you turn around quickly to make sure it's not that person. I remember one lady that I went out with. She sounds so much like Monica. I just couldn't date her. And I just told her, I could, because I kept calling her Monica every 15, 20 minutes. And she was like, well, who's Monica? And I was like, um, that's an ex-girlfriend of mine. And of course, she was kind of offended. But she didn't realize the impact Monica had on my life. And for me to go and try to qualify her to this lady, it was unfair. And I just told her, let's just be friends. Sometimes you'll run across that. Some of you ladies have to deal with visual triggers. Some guy may come to you and he may be dressed a certain way. He may carry himself a certain way. He may look a certain way. And if you had a bad experience with a guy that looked like that, he's going to be treated accordingly. But if you had a positive experience with a guy that looks like him, you may give him the benefit of the doubt. And sometimes we try to relive past experiences that were good. I remember one lady in particular that my friend tried to talk to, and he was pretty muscular. And she told him, no, we we can't even talk. He couldn't understand why, because he was, you know, all squared away, nice suit and everything. And she told him, she said, my ex-husband was a bodybuilder, and he used to beat me. After she told him that, she was embarrassed. And she just walked away from him. Left the nightclub. Because it hit a trigger on her that was right there on the surface. Had nothing to do with him as a person. It had to do with the way he was built in comparison to the trauma she experienced in the past. He felt kind of bad about it. And he talked to her friend and told her, you know, if you see her again, please apologize to her. I didn't mean to offend her. And she said, no, you just reminded her of him. This is the shock and trauma that people have to deal with. We marginalize and we tell people to get over it. They can't get over it because they experienced it. You didn't. The only thing you could do is just give your opinion. Don't get over it. I will never forget. I saw two ladies get into a fight one night. The one lady had been raped years ago. And she wasn't really too sure about coming out 
She wanted to stay home. She was a homebody afterwards. And her girlfriend made the mistake at their table of telling her, girl, other women have been raped. You just need to get over it. Before everything went crazy, the other woman said, but you never have, so how would you know? And after that, the drink started flying in fists. I felt sorry for the bouncers. They tried to break them up. <sighs> bouncers got their asses kicked. And one word of advice, fellas. If two women get into a fight, try to break them up early in the fight. Try to do it early in the fight. Don't, if they're in mid-fight, uh, call the cops, call security. They will kick your ass. I'm telling you. You got to get them before they start fighting. To break them up. You can try, if you can, get a break in there somewhere where they fall down or something like that and you can separate them. But that's what you have to do. Now, the one thing to keep in mind also is that through these experiences, through these sensations that you'll have, when it comes down to that person that you miss, you'll start to understand a couple of things about yourself. You'll understand how you've matured past that situation in some regards, but how you're still sensitive to it. And that sensitivity you have is actually respect. It's a sense of respect that you have for those sentiments. So you don't marginalize them. Because that's an experience that you have to deal with. And it's, a lot of times it's a good experience, provided you had a good experience with that person. We usually try to block out the bad experiences. But there are certain triggers, certain things that may underscore that. And you have to bail, get away. But we grow. That's a part of us growing, is to accept some things that we can't change. And still love ourselves the same way. Because there are certain things that are not meant for us to change. We would love to have control in life. You hear a lot of these gurus on YouTube and all the rest of this talking about taking control of your life. As long as you're living your life on this earth, you're subjected to everything the earth has to offer you. Natural disasters, disturbances and disruptions prompted by man. Think about the people in the Ukraine. A year ago, things were normal. Probably a little saber rattling, but nothing serious. People are going through their everyday throes in life. And now you have people debating whether or not they stay in their own country or whether they go to Poland or somewhere else in order to save their lives. 
children being born in hospital basements that have been bombed out. That's a hell of a way to come into this world. And the parents tried to make sure that they had some sort of life where this child could grow up in the community. And all of their efforts have been reduced down to a man who's so narcissistic that he wants others to suffer for his own desire. We see how life, fragile, how life is so fragile from situations like these. And so, as we understand or try to make some sort of sense of these feelings we have and of these sentiments that are brought up from taste, from smell, from places that we, we go to, people that we see, things that we do, That's what makes us who we are. We're a compilation of our experiences, which makes us better people as we go forward. And everybody has a different experience. Just think about if we all had the same experience. What would we do? We would form consensuses, and therefore with those, it would mean that you would have a lot of groupthink. So with these various experiences that we have, we can share the resources from those, share some of the knowledge from those in order to help each other out. This is what I try to do on Romantic Truth. Share my experiences to make it easier for you. what it's about see back in the day old folks used to share their knowledge when I used to hang out with my dad he was considerably older he would be talking about things such as English pinchback suits that they used to wear back in the day he used to talk about things such as coon chicken I know many of you haven't heard of that. But there was a franchise, a chicken franchise, and they had these motor inns because during that time, travel was the big thing. And they had this place that would have fried chicken. And it was a raccoon as the logo. They existed from the 1920s to the 50s. He would talk about how I had a brighter future than he would have. Because he had to deal with the indignity and the humiliation well before the civil rights era. So, from that, I had to take what he gave me, his experiences and utilize that for me in a way that's going to protect me. In other words, handing down the legacy. And the problem is now, we don't have too many people around 
to hand that legacy down to the junior generations. Instead, what they're doing now is writing their own legacy. And this is the reason why you have so much chaos and so much confusion. And kids going out there killing other kids over tennis shoes to impress a girl. I'm not saying in no way was it roses and honeysuckle back in the day. You had people that did dirt. You had bad things that happened in society. You had an underworld and everything else. But one thing they did have was some sort of structure. And now it seems like that structure has been imploded in so many ways. We're going to talk more in just a moment, folks. One of the toughest things that I find when it comes down to dealing with sentiments and emotions, when it comes to the loss of a partner, whether you broke up or whether the person passed away, is how things ended, the closure. Now, usually with death, it's very abrupt, most often, especially if they're younger. Now, if they're older, you can kind of prepare yourself and you have a little grieving period well before the actual event takes place. But for the most part, a lot of times it's abrupt, unexpected. You're not ready for it to end. And when it does, it takes you a while to recalibrate yourself in order to accept it. That's understandable. So you have to reminisce on the good times you had. Now, one thing that I found, especially when it comes down to dating widows, I found them to be some of the most resilient women I've ever met. I used to have this naive approach to many of them that I had to kind of treat them like uh, a memorial in a way and they would tell me I did the grieving it was my partner that passed away I'm still alive please treat me that way and this was something I had to come to grips with I was always sensitive about their fallen partner. But they would always tell me. I had the fun with that person. I had the life with that person. I enjoyed that person. And they would want to see me go forward. The last thing they would want to do is to see me sit up stoically crying out the window while it's raining. They want me to continue my evolution in life. 
And I'll never forget a lady who said, Dave, by the name of Lauren, used to tell me, she told me this. She, her husband died in Vietnam. And she told me, she says, one thing you have to understand. When I lost my husband, it hurt me to the core. She said, but he always told me if he couldn't make it back to not stop walking on that journey of life because he couldn't be with her. And it was a tough thing for her. He died in 1972. Every bit of 19 years of age. Young man. But she had closure. So, what happens? It took her a long time to heal from that and to accept what had happened. But she said that she could not pivot her life around that one catastrophic event. And she told me, you know, she says, my mother's still alive. She says, I know she's going to die. My father's still alive. I know he's going to die. My sisters and brothers and siblings are still alive. And I don't know if they would. And I have to prepare myself for loss. Let me tell you something, folks. When I lost my mother, when she passed away, I was lost. When my dad passed away, I was by his bedside with my mom. And he refused to die until we all were together. And once we were together, my mother went back to California and he died that night. It was tough. But I knew it had to happen. And I was able to prepare for it because it was a slow process. When my mother died, it was abrupt. Took the wind out of me completely. I felt like a damn brick walker had fallen on me and crushed me. I didn't know whether it should or go blind. I got in the car with my girlfriend and I was driving on the freeway and she says, honey, do you know where you're going? I said, no. I was like a child. I was reduced to the mindset of a child at that time. Because my mother was the only one that was a consistent teacher in my life. Dad was too, but dad died decades before her. But I learned a lot from her. And when she passed away, 
it took me a long time to get through that. But one thing that I will say is the fact that I didn't feel any guilt because I did just like I did everyone else in my life. I treated them each day like it was their last one. That meant I treated them with respect, love, and joy. And she could never understand why I would always hug her when I would see her, just hold her for about five, six minutes. I used to do it all the time with her. She never understood that. When I was in the military, I used to come home on leave, and I used to do that. And she'd say, son, why are you holding on to me so long? I said, because I don't know if I'll ever see you again. That with my father. Because these were people that meant a lot to me. And I know if and when I was going to lose them. Hell, it could have been me dying. Who knows? I just wanted to make sure that they understood that I loved them while they were alive. So at a funeral, I couldn't sit up there and I didn't have to say something like, oh, well, I love my dad. Well, hell, it's too late now. They didn't hear it. They're in the casket. Treat people right while they're still alive. Cherish them and enjoy them. I had a friend of mine that had an unfortunate loss. And I met her through another friend of mine. Wonderful family. And this is a remarkable young lady that had an unfortunate thing that happened with the loss of a spouse. And I pray for her regularly. She had a good man. And I wish her all the best. But I know it's tough losing someone. So folks, I'm sorry to draw you out with such a somber episode. But this is something that has to be addressed in relationships as well. That sense of loss, displacement, some of you who live vicariously through others who lose your identity if you lost your partner that's a tough one because you got to do some soul searching at that point this is the reason why ladies most of the men that you date that are real men they're going to make sure you have your own identity that's what they look for in a woman so that if something were to happen to them You can soldier on. You can go forward and not fall apart over them and not hold up your life over them. They understand and respect the fact that you still have to live. I had a friend of mine years ago that lost his wife. Car accident other person's fault 
license was suspended. Hit her head on. She died instantly. He got busy doing other things. Got heavy into his work. Got promoted like you wouldn't believe. Went back to school. Got all kind of degrees. Looked like an alphabet soup behind his name. But that only lasted so long. He started to feel empty because his wife was part of his identity, part of his recognition. And he didn't know how to cope without her. And he would always swear, man, I'm never going to bring another woman in this house. This is her house. I'm her husband still. She was a very nice lady, without a doubt. But what he had to come to grips with was he quit living. His best friend became an alcohol bottle. You name it, E&J, Crown Royal, that became his best friend. And then he broke off the friendships with all of us. Wanted to be by himself. Next time I saw him, he was in a hospital bed with a whole bunch of tubes in him. Drinking too damn much. Doctor finally told him, you can live or you can let alcohol kill you. Eventually, he chose to meet this lady. A friend of mine introduced him to. She was the best thing that ever happened to him since that situation with his wife. I started to see him live again. He cracked me up one day. He called me. He says, hey, man, I just want to let everybody know that I'm moving. Oh, where you going? Oh, I'm going up to Eugene, Oregon. Okay, that's a change of pace for sure. He's like, yeah, you know, I'm just going to go up there and just chill out, and I'll just open up me a business up there. Sure as crap. A few months later, he'd gone up there. And ever since then, he's been trying to get me to move up there, and there's like no way in the hell. Too much rain, too much cold weather. I love you folks that listen to me in Washington State and Oregon, but mm, mm -mm, those winters, I can't do. Nope. Mm -mm. Nope, nope, nope. Hell, Nevada is kicking my ass as it is. But the one thing that I want you to understand, though, is this. There's always hope. There's always optimism. We're all going to die at some point. The thing is, we don't know when, how, and what under, what other, under what circumstances. We don't know any of that. So we have to continue to live. Because as long as we live, we do live. And we have to continue doing so. It's tough. 
We take losses and we take hits here and there, but we got to stay strong and resilient. And in the end, we will make it. And for those of you who are still triggered by sentiments over a broken heart and the person is still alive, you're very fortunate. Because here's the thing. You have the ability to move forward with that experience if it was good, where you can go and take some of the characteristics of that relationship and apply it to the principles of your character going forward. The same thing if you had a good deceased partner. Take some of those standards and characteristics and apply them to the next person that you will encounter in your life. Why go backwards? You don't have to. If you've experienced a negative situation, negative breakup or whatever, take the lessons from it only. Don't take the biases and the prejudices with you. Leave them by the wayside. Take the lessons. Know the things to look for. And apply those things. When you see those things occur, There's nothing wrong with walking away. But don't shortchange yourself by just doing it based on holding that person to the same level of disdain that you're meeting compared to who you were with before. And I know that's hard to do. But here's the thing I'm saying. You meet a new person. They may wear the same cologne as the guy that dogged you out. What's wrong with asking him to, hey, what other fragrances uh, do you wear? Instead of just throwing the baby out with the bathwater, he might say, you know, I wear this, but this is not my favorite. I just put this on because it was convenient. Or I just saw it on sale at the store. Now you have a point for compromise right there. Can make a suggestion. Hey, why don't you wear this? I really love this fragrance. What this does, it creates distance <coughs> between you and that bad experience. I've been on a mini date where a woman has called me her ex-husband's name, her deceased husband's name, boyfriend's name. I don't take it to heart. You know, they, oh, please forgive me. No, no, we're fine. Because it happened. Even my current girlfriend, I called her by Monica's name one day. But she understood. It would crack me up. She said, you know, well, if you call me by her name, that means I have the same impact on you she did. She got my ass because I was dead silent on that one because that's where she was. She put two and two together. 
and got 95. I mean, <laughs> got four. So, folks, in any way, I hope that this helps you out a little bit. And it kind of rationalizes sometimes those sentiments that you get, those triggers, come about based on some of the things you experienced. And for those of you who are questioning that, you realize now that it's okay. Take care. Romantic Truth would like to take this opportunity and applaud our listeners and over 40 countries for their support. If you need someone to talk to in regards to help, you may contact the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-8255, available 24 hours. All correspondences read on the show have been pre-screened and pre-approved by the submitter to be aired on the show. The views and opinions of this podcast does not reflect those of Romantic Truth, Anchor, Spotify, or any of its affiliates. The opinions expressed are solely those of the host and guests, and should not be deemed as professional guidance, advice, or a professional practice. In the event you may need professional assistance, contact your local federal, state, or county agencies for specific assistance in social services, family counseling, or mental health services. For all medical, legal, and financial services please contact the appropriate licensed and certified professionals within your region. The music that is provided on this podcast that is not provided by Anchor is used under waiver by Jaws and One Music for fair use. Please be advised that the content of this podcast is under copyright by Romantic Truth and James Adams. Romantic Truth would like to take this opportunity and applaud our listeners and over 40 countries for their support. If you need someone to talk to in regards to help, you may contact the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-8255, available 24 hours. All correspondences read on the show have been pre-screened and pre-approved by the submitter to be aired on the show. The views and opinions of this podcast does not reflect those of Romantic Truth, Anchor, Spotify, or any of its affiliates. The opinions expressed are solely those of the host and guests, and should not be deemed as professional guidance, advice, or a professional practice. In the event you may need professional assistance, contact your local federal, state, or county agencies for specific assistance in social services, family counseling, or mental health services. For all medical, legal, and financial services please contact the appropriate licensed and certified professionals within your region. The music that is provided on this podcast that is not provided by Anchor is used under waiver by Jaws and One Music for fair use. Please be advised that the content of this podcast is under copyright by Romantic Truth and James Adams.